Good evening. Welcome to our lecture, Divina. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look upon us, O God, creator and ruler of all things, and that we may feel the working of your mercy. Grant that we may serve you with all our heart. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So once again, welcome to our Lecture Divina. We are in the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And uh, we will begin with a short explanation of the first reading from the book of Sirach. But before we go to the book of Sirach and to the Gospels, to the Gospel of Matthew, let us try to have a short introduction about the Bible. Because the book of Sirach is one of the seven disputed books of the Bible. You know that the Catholic Church gave us the Bible. The Catholic Church was the one who gave us the Bible. I think it's only the Catholic Church who can say that. Wala nang ibang mga other denominations who can say, we were the one who gave the Bible. The Bible came from us. No, no. The Catholic Church gave us the Bible. Because the Catholic Church was the church existing since the time of Jesus and the Apostles. Actually, may mga nagtatanong sa akin, ano bang, paano ba na-form yung Bible? How was the canonical books approved? Pag sinabi natin canonical books, these were the books that were canonized. Canon actually came from the Greek word, the, the rule. Ito yung rule. Ito yung na-canonize the books that were approved. And it was the Catholic Church who approved which books should be included in the Bible. Because there are so many books also that were written in, during the time of the Apostles in the New Testament. So it was the Catholic Church who approved the canon. You know, there were already some lists that were attempted. Like for example, we have the Moratorian Canon no, by Moratori. And then there was also Origen. He made also a list. There was Athanasius. There was Eusebius. But there was this very, very important uh, list of books Actually, it was Athanasius who really fixed the number of the New Testament books, 27. But in disputed books in the Old Testament, which is supposed to be 46, he approved all of them, itong 46. So all in all, 46 plus 27, that's total of 73 books. And these 73 books was approved by Pope Damasus I in the year 382. And it was also approved in that same year in the Council of Rome. The year 382, Pope Damasus I approved the 73 canonical books. And this was ratified in the year 393 in the Synod of Hippo, which is actually in the northern part of Africa. And later on, after four years, in the year 397, in the Synod of Carthage. So it was the Pope who approved and then ratified by two other synods. And since that time, it was always the 73 books. And these books, since we didn't have the modern printing, there were the monks who were copying each book. Sometimes it takes years to copy. 
and to compile all these books of the Bible. Kaya kung minsan, scroll pa lang yan, wala pa yung printing press, not in a form of a book. So they copy it, even with colors. And so beautiful that sometimes they put some drawings, and it's very precious, especially the Benedictine monks, they were copying them. Painstakingly, patiently, you know. And this 40, 46 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books, they were all together in one book, naging 73 books. So the Bible, the Holy Bible, has always consisted of the 73 books. So kung ang Bible mo ay hindi 73, 66, that's the Protestant Bible. Why naging 66? Well, you know, si Martin Luther who was just born in the 15th century and in the 16th century he removed the seven books well perhaps those seven books does not fit in his theology but he did that after more than 1500 years where the bible really consisted in 73 books e paano tinanggal niyo seven books na yun well you know in the in the first century, in the year 90, there was the Jewish council sa Jamnia. Itong mga rabbis, they, they come together after the destruction of Jerusalem. You know that Jerusalem was destroyed in the year 70. So, they have to, to compose themselves and see what are really our tradition, what are the books that we have to include. Actually, even among the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they were not in agreement which canon or books we have to be canonized or included in the Bible. For example, the, the, the Sadducees, they were focused more on the Pentateuch, the five books, while the Pharisees, they would add the other 34 books. But the Jews in the Diaspora, they would add the seven books, which for the Jewish council in Jamnia in the year 90, they don't consider those seven books as canonical. But remember, 5 plus 34 plus 7, that's 46 books in the Old Testament, they were all translated in Greek. That was the Septuagint, and that Septuagint was used by, the, by Jesus and the Apostles. So during the time of Jesus and the Apostles, they were using actually the Septuagint, all the 46 books. Then the Jews removed the seven in the year 90. Perhaps they were thinking, oh, these were, these were books used by the, by the Christians. We are not Christians. But remember, the complete 46 books of the Old Testament were used during the time of Jesus and the Apostles. Please remember that the first Bible printed by Gutenberg, Gutenberg was a German, and he invented printing this movable type in the year 439. So, the first Bible that was printed using this movable type of printing by Gutenberg, that was sometime in the year 1455. That first Bible was a complete 73 books. Many years before Martin Luther was born in Germany. Gutenberg was in Germany. And he printed the Bible in Germany, 73 books years before Martin Luther was born. It was always 73 books. So this coming Sunday, we will listen to the book of Sirach, 
in the first reading. And this book of Sirach is part of the biblical wisdom literature. In the Catholic Bible, we will have seven wisdom books. Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Sirach, Song of Songs, Book of Wisdom, and Ecclesiastes. So, there are two books here that are not part of the Protestant Bible. Book of Sirach, which is also Ecclesiasticus, and the Book of Wisdom. These two books you will not find in the Protestant Bible. You will find that in the original Bible, which is the Catholic Bible. And this book of Sirach, which is part of the Deuterocanonical, and the Protestant considered as apocryphal. Pag sinabi natin apocryphal, apocryphal talaga hindi inspired yan. Sa ating mga Catholics, meron talaga mga apocryphal books. Pero itong book of Sirach is not apocryphal, it's Deuterocanonical. It's a second canon, but doesn't mean that it is you know, it's not inspired. No, it was part of the 46 Old Testament books during the time of Jesus. Okay? So, as a Protestant, it is apocryphal. Pag sinabing apocryphal, para mga legends lang yan. No, for us, no. This is not a legend. It is inspired, you know. And remember, this book of Sirach was discovered together with the canonical books of the Old Testament in the in the Qumran caves, you know, in the 1940s and 50s, archaeologists discovered these scrolls, ancient Jewish religious manuscripts you know, in, in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And among the Dead Sea Scrolls, you will find the book of Sirach together with the book of Isaiah and all the other Old Testament books. So in other words, here you can say that the early Jews, the ancient Jews, considered even the book of Sirach and the other, like even the book of Tobit, which is again part of the Deuterocanonical books, the seven disputed books, they were all put together with the other canonical books. So they considered it also as somehow canonical. They were reading them, and it was discovered in the Qumran caves in 1946 or in the 1950s. So, the early Jews really were using this book of Sirach. The Sirach or the Ecclesiasticus is one of the seven books, as I've said, of the Old Testament, which is recognized as inspired and canonical by the Catholics. It was written between the year 200 and 180 B.C. Actually, the book of Sirach, it was written originally in Hebrew and then it was translated in in Greek no? so it, there's another name for the book of Sirach is Ecclesiasticus so you can find in the Bible if you have written Ecclesiasticus that is actually the book of Sirach Ecclesiasticus means liber in Latin while Sirach is actually the Greek because the original, it was written in Hebrew, and in Greek, it was translated as Ben Sirach. Somehow as the author of these wisdom books. So please remember these seven books, which were disputed, but actually considered as canonical. They were deuterocanonical, but they are part of the 46 books in the Old Testament. We have Judith, Tobit, Baruch, Wisdom, Sirach, Ecclesiasticus, the first Maccabees, and the second 
Maccabees. So, there are two wisdom books here, Sirach and the Book of Wisdom. So, in this coming Sunday, we will have the first reading from the Book of Sirach. In the Book of Sirach, that's chapter 27, verse 30, up to chapter 28, verse 7. You know, the purpose of the book of Sirach was to give instructions to our daily life, proper behavior for all areas of life. Ganda, sayang, wala yan sa ibang Bible ng Protestant, but it's really very beautiful, this book of Sirach. It speaks about humility, it speaks about justice, <clears throat> it speaks about, you know, against gossiping, it speaks about how to deal with wealth. It speaks about how to choose your friends. It speaks about training your children. It speaks about almost everything. Giving alms, sins of the flesh, don't telling don't tell lies, etc., etc. That's the reason why this coming Sunday, they have, uh, you will notice there are some verses, it's already like a homily. It speaks about anger, vengeance, forgiveness, and death. And this is what we will hear this coming Sunday. First, you will hear the verse on anger. This coming Sunday on verse 30, it says, Wrath and anger are hateful things, yet the sinner hugs them tight. Yung mga makasalanan, mahilig, magalit. <laughs> hugs them tight. Huh? Wrath and anger are hateful things, but the sinner loves them. So if you are always angry, somehow you are considered in the book of Sirach as a sinner. Because actually anger is part of the seven capital sins. The sinner hugs them. Avoid getting angry as much as possible. And then it speaks about vengeance. You will hear this coming Sunday, these words from the book of Sirach. The vengeful will suffer the Lord's vengeance, for he remembers their sins in detail. Nako, yung mahilig, magiganti. Huh? Parang mga Avengers. <laughs> mahilig maghiganti. Tatandaan nyo, nako, Naalala lagi ng Panginoon ang inyong mga kasalanan. The vengeful will suffer the Lord's vengeance, for He remembers their sins in detail. And then, this one is the most important part of the first reading because this will be connected with the Gospel of Matthew, and that is on forgiveness. And we will hear this coming Sunday from the book of Sirach, Forgive your neighbor's sins or injustices. Then, when you pray, your own sins will be forgiven. And this will be connected with the gospel because the gospel will speak about forgiveness. Forgive your neighbor's sin or injustice. Then, when you pray, your sins will also be forgiven. You see, this one is already connected with the teaching of Jesus on the Lord's Prayer. Diba? Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So somehow, there's a connection between the book of Sirach and the New Testament already. It's just like, even when you read the letter of Paul to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 15, you will read, Weep with those who weep. And then in the book of Sirach, you will also find some similar verse in the 
in chapter 7, verse 34, Don't fail those who weep, but mourn with those who mourn. You see, the wisdom book of Sirach is actually somehow reverberates in the writings of the New Testament. So this is about forgiveness, which we shall connect in the gospel. Then finally, it speaks about death. And you will hear that also in the first reading. It says, remember your last days or your death. Set enmity aside. Remember death and decay and cease to sin. Remember death and decay and stop sinning. In the book of Sirach, there's another beautiful verse connected with this verse also. Chapter 7, verse 36. In everything you do, remember your death and you will never sin. May naalala tuloy ako, motto ni St. Dominic Sabio, death rather than sin. Di ba? So, if you remember your death, perhaps you will not commit sin because, you know, it's important that you die well without sin. So, here, that wisdom, you will find that already in the book of Sirach. Just remember your last days and then you will stop sinning because it's important that when you die, you are in this state of grace, that you are ready to face the Lord. So, this you will hear this coming Sunday from the book of Sirach. Now, let's listen to the gospel reading taken from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, his master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and all his property, in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Move with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, Pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had a fellow servant put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now, when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. 
his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I gave you the entire debt because you begged me to. I forgave you the entire debt because you begged me to. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So will my heavenly Father do to you unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, when you heard the Gospel reading, what was your reaction? Was there any verse that somehow caught your attention? Was there any verse that challenged you? Was it about forgiveness? Of course. Was there any verse that comforted you? It's important that during this lecture, you try to examine yourselves and try to apply the gospel to your life. Now, in order to appreciate better this gospel text, let's put the text in the context. If you remember last Sunday, it was about fraternal correction. But I explained to you in last lecture divina that that was preceded by another gospel reading from Matthew 18 verses 21 to 30. I'm sorry, this one is this coming Sunday verses 21 to 35 in the 18th chapter of Matthew. But if you remember... I spoke to you last lecture, Debina, that in chapter 18, the same chapter, there was these verses from 10 to 14 that speaks about the parable of the lost sheep before we went to the gospel on fraternal correction. And I tried to connect that this gospel of last Sunday on fraternal correction is very much connected also with the parable of the lost sheep. That this parable speaks about looking for the least, the last, and the lost. Even the sinner is considered lost. And the shepherd is ready to sacrifice his time, his talent, just to look for that lost sheep. And when he finds it, he was very happy. This you will, uh, you will notice that there is a great joy when God discovers or receives back a sinner. It was a loving way of looking for the lost sheep. There is always that that aspect of love when someone is lost. And that you apply also with the fraternal correction that we have seen last Sunday, verses 15 to 20, again in the same chapter of Matthew 18. And of course, after this gospel on fraternal correction, I also mentioned to you, this coming Sunday, it will be about forgiveness this will just be the continuation 21 to 35 in the same chapter 18. So here in the parable of the lost sheep is about seeking the, the lost lovingly and with care. And then last Sunday was about fraternal correction, correcting the sinner, perhaps correcting the lost like a lost sheep. And then this coming Sunday is forgiveness, forgiving the sins of the lost or the sinner with 
love, just like the lost sheep. So the key here to understand, because we always emphasize love in looking for the lost, love when you correct, and love when you forgive, the key is forgiveness, which actually is considered as the highest form of showing your love for someone. So here you put everything in context. It's about the relationship between the sinner and the Christian community. And here Matthew is trying to conclude the discourse on the life of the church and conflict management with a particular sinner. And what protocol to follow? It answers the question of forgiveness with the parable of the unforgiving servant. So, a kind of a concluding everything. So, once you have a member of your community who keeps on sinning, just be ready also to forgive. Be ready to correct, but at the same time, be ready to forgive. And this parable, which we shall hear this coming Sunday, is promised by Peter's question regarding the number of times must we forgive our erring brother or sister. How many times must I forgive my brother and sister? And of course, the real message of this coming Sunday is this. If we have been forgiven enormously by God, we should pass on that forgiveness generously to our fellow human beings. So this is actually the real message of this coming Sunday gospel. Let's go verse by verse. Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Here, Peter shows that he is generous in forgiving by mentioning seven times. That retains a note of perfection. Seven, for the Jews, is already a kind of a, a number that symbolizes perfection. Just like on the seventh day, God rested after creating the world. He goes beyond the Jewish practice of forgiving three times. So seven is beyond the three times that we should forgive. The practice was forgiving three times and the, the sinner for the same sins. And therefore, after that, no more. That is the, the normal practice during the time of, of Peter. So, pag sinabi niya seven, wow! I think Peter was generous in forgiving. Actually, the Jewish practice of forgiving three times somehow was based on the book of prophet Amos. Because in the rabbinical teaching and reasoning on forgiveness was that in the book of Amos or Amos, you will find there God forgave three times and punished the fourth time. So three plus one. Pagdating pang apat na yan, I will punish you already. So somehow, it became a kind of a practice. If in the book of Amos, you find here, God forgiving three times, and then He punished when it's committed for the fourth time. So we might as well follow what God did. So for example, in the book of Amos, 
chapter 1 verse 6, you will find, Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Gaza, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. So pagdating ng apat, paparusahan ko na yan. <laughs> Nagkasala yung mga tao sa Gaza. No? And then another one, in verse 11, from the book of Amos, Thus said the Lord, For three transgressions of Edom, another place, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment. So pagdating ng apat, paparusahan ko na naman yan. And then another one, verse 13, the, the Lord said, For three transgressions of the children of Ammon, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. So, paulit-ulit yan. And therefore, somehow, there's a kind of an addition, no? Three plus one, three plus one, punishment. So, Peter somehow used kind of an addition when it comes to forgiveness. <laughs> Pero si Lord, hindi addition ang ginamit niya eh. Parang multiplication. <laughs> Pag-addition, parang konti. No? It was a multiplication. And therefore, Jesus' reply is a sort of an idiomatic expression in Hebrew that means unlimited times. Seventy times. Seven. Seventy-seven times. Unlimited times. In other words, lagi-lagi kang magpapatawad. Walang katapusan. Lagi yan. 77 times means unlimited. Kaya nga kung meron unli, unli prepaid ba yan? Meron yung unli forgiveness kay Lord. And that is a challenge for all of us. Unli forgiveness. Verse 23. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servant. So there was the king at may mga utang yung mga servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Tinawag ang isa na may malaking utang. Ano nangyari? Since he had no way of paying it back, his, mar his master ordered him, or the king, to be sold along with his wife, his children, and all his property in payments of the debt. I think this one was in a pagan setting. That's a, sa Jewish setting, bawal yun binibenta yun asawa. O pati yun, yeah, bawal yun eh. Sa pagan setting, pwede yan. So most probably, yung setting nito, yung kwento ni Jesus, yung parable, was in a pagan setting. Na pag hindi ka nakabayad, if you cannot pay, your wife, your children, your property will be sold in payment of the debt. They will become slaves, actually. And then, at that, the servant fell down, did him homage and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Be patient with me. Move with compassion. The master or the king of the servant, let him go and forgave him the loan. Beautiful. Ang tanong dyan eh, gano ba kalaki ang utang ng servant? Huh? What the servant owes actually? Millions of dollars. 
which is actually hyperbolic, an amount that is impossible to be paid. Ano ba sa original Greek? Dahil sa hindi naman sinabi rito kung magkano eh, no? Actually, in the original Greek, it is, it is written 10,000 talents. So, we don't have any idea what is 10,000 talents. Kaya nilagay na lang dito a huge amount, no? Pero just to give an idea of the 10,000 talents, no? Remember, one talent is equivalent to 6,000 denarii. And what is the denarii? One denarius is one day's wage. One denarii, yun na yun, sweldo mo, pang isang araw. Ngayon, yun one talent, <laughs> equivalent yan, 6,000 days wage. Mantakin mo yun. 6,000 days wage. Yun utang mo ng 6,000 days, yun yung one talent. Ang utang niya, is 10,000 talents. So, yung one talent na yan is approximately 20 to 40 kilograms of gold. That is equivalent to 16 years wages. <laughs> so, pag sinabi mong 10,000 talents, that's 60 million dinari. Wow! 60 million days wage. That's 160,000 years wages. So, Makakabayad ba siya doon? Eh, sabihin natin, masyadong exaggerated naman si Lord. Ayun ang gusto niya ipakita eh. Na kahit na gano'ng kalaki ang utang natin kay Lord, kayang-kaya niyang patawarin yan. Kaya nga, titignan natin kung kaya rin ba natin magpatawad ng kapwa natin na maliit lang naman ang utang. That is the, the wisdom of this parable. So, Just to give an idea how big this 10,000 talents is, the annual income of Herod the Great was of 900 talents only. Herod the Great na yan. Ang annual income niya, 900 talents lang. Imagine yung utang ng servants, 10,000 talents. Equivalent to 160,000. Wow. Instead of reacting more violently, The king was moved with compassion from within, forgives the slave his death in all aspects as the king let him go. Practically, talagang nalibre siya. It was a real relief for the slave. His death was canceled. He was forgiven. He gains his freedom. And his dignity. A wonderful ending. Sana doon na lang natapos yung parable. Kaso hindi. Ano nangyari? Nung napatawad na siya, sa laki ng kanyang mga utang, talagang suguro saya-saya niya. Kaso, he met his fellow servant. So when that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him and started demanding, pay back what you owe. Pay back what you owe. And falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. 
But he refused. Instead, he had a fellow servant put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now, when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. Kono nangyari, nakita nila hindi niya pinatawad yung kanyang kapwa servant. Talagang skandalo yun. So, nireport nila yun sa hari, sa master. And then, his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you your entire death because you begged me to. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? You know this one, should you not have if you remember, I explained to you the Greek word dei, must. And that dei must was often used by Matthew. In fact, even by Luke. That, for example, Jesus Christ must suffer. Should That Jesus Christ must suffer so that all these things will, according to the scripture, he must suffer. The same also was used here, dei. Should you not have pity on your fellow servant? You must actually have pity, in other words, with your fellow servant. Then in anger, his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So, the forgiven servants meet another servant who owes him actually a hundred denarii. Ito yung makita natin sa original. Sa original, he owed 10,000 talents. Remember, that's equivalent to 160,000 years wages. Ito yung fellow servant niya, only 100 denarii. That's only equivalent to 3 months salary. Yung pinatawad sa kanya, 160 years wages. Ito, 3 months salary lang. Yung utang ng kanyang fellow servant, hindi pa niya napatawad. So the forgiven servant's behavior is really scandalous. Scandalous. Hindi huh? niya mapatawad. And of course, his fellow servant reacted and reported that to the, to the king. That's an scandal rin sila. Bira. But hindi kaya napatawad yung kanyang fellow servant. Pinatawad naman siya ng hari. And therefore, the king gave him the dose of his own medicine. That's a, he put that fellow servant to prison until he pay the utang, which is very small. And so, the king also put him back to prison until he pay back the whole death. You know, it's impossible for him to pay back the whole death. So, until he should pay back actually implies a punishment we will ha- which will have no end. Tapos hindi ka naman talaga makakabayad eh. So, yung punishment mo, Talagang forever na yun. That is the idea here. So kung meron only forgiveness that is being asked in the parable or by Jesus, so there's also the only punishment. Hindi ka naman makapatawad ng iyong kapwa. Abay, only punishment ang sa'yo. You cannot pay the whole debt. The king's words, you should, is the same as it is necessary. Dei. You must actually forgive. You should. This perfectly natural reaction is also that of the hearers of the parable. Can you imagine those listening to the story of Jesus? 
Baka naskandalo rin sila. How about you? While you were listening to this parable, is this also your reaction? Were you not scandalized by the behavior of this servant who was forgiven with this huge debt and then he could not forgive the smaller debt of his fellow servant? I think we should get scandalized. So finally, the last verse, So will my heavenly Father do to you, unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. Well, I think this one is another challenging verse. For me, this one, I find it very, very challenging that we should forgive our brother or sister from our heart. Just as your Heavenly Father has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Remember, one of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. So, if you were forgiven by Jesus or by God, then you in turn must also forgive your brother, and you will receive mercy. Jesus exhorts us to forgive one another from the heart. It is by the quality of our hearts that we are judged. Yung forgiveness, it should really be coming from the heart. And here, Matthew teaches that if forgiveness does not become part of who we are, that means from the heart, we become in a way incapable of receiving the forgiveness from God. It must come from our heart so that we will be forgiven also by God, which is from His heart. That is a very, very challenging verse for us, to forgive from the heart. And uh, the key word here that explains the attitude of the king was that he was moved with compassion. The master was moved with compassion. Talagang he forgave from the heart. Itong servant who owed him a huge amount, 10,000 talents. But he was moved with compassion. Kaya yung master, yung king, gave us an example on how to forgive. And if you remember, move of, with compassion. I already explained to you yung Greek original word, splajnegestai. Remember the splajnegestai? A verb which comes from splajna. Splajnegestai means move with Compassion, taken from another Greek word, splajna, which means the internal organs, the inward parts. That means the heart, the lung, the liver, and the intestines. So when you forgive from the heart, the splajna, the stai, you really move with compassion. That not only your heart, but your whole being, your lungs, your liver, intestines, everything of your being must really be moved. So that you will really forgive your brother and sister from the heart. And this is the radicality of the gospel. Mahirap ba mag-forgive? Mahirap din, pero kaya. Yan sabi na forgiveness, for, to forgive is divine, di ba? Forgive is divine. But we can do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help us forgive our brother and sister. Because we are asked or challenged to forgive like Jesus. Jesus Christ has forgiven us so much. God who became man, He died on the cross in order to forgive our sins. That is what He did. 
in order to forgive all our sins. Kaya nga, the math of God is one cross, three nails is forgiven. Diba? <laughs> one plus three is four. That's how Jesus Christ forgave all our sins. That's how God forgave our sins. The one cross and the three nails. It's hard actually for God to become man. We can do it. If He did it, why can't we? So, in summary, why we must forgive? What's the reason why we must forgive? It's very simple. We have seen that in the parable. We have been forgiven first. That's the reason why we must forgive. God has forgiven us first. So if God forgave us, then we must also forgive our brother and sister. Secondly, we have been forgiven immensely. All our sins can be forgiven by God. Even the heinous crimes, even the mortal sins that we have committed, as long as you are humble enough to repent and confess your sins. God is always ready to forgive. People, human beings, are not ready to forgive. Sabi ni Pope Francis, nature will not forgive if you commit sin against nature. But God is always ready to forgive. And third, we shall not be forgiven by God if we do not forgive. So these are the three reasons why we must forgive. We were forgiven first by God. We were forgiven by God immensely. And we were, if we don't forgive, then we will not be forgiven by, by God. Almost every day we pray the Our Father. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's the reason why forgiveness is kind of an ID mark of the disciple of Jesus. Parang part of your ano yan, ID or DNA if you want to call it. That you should learn how to forgive and you know how to forgive if you want to be called disciple of Jesus. And forgiveness does not deny the reality of evil. Baka mayroon kasi nagsasabi, forgive ako ng forgive, para bang eh, evil yan. I mean, you don't deny the reality of evil. That's the reason why you should forgive. Evil is always around us. And perhaps your brother and sister was tempted by the devil to commit sin. And therefore, you should be ready to forgive as long as he is ready to repent also and to be sorry. But we should always be ready to forgive. But mind you, you know, Jesus Christ, God is ready to forgive and even though you have not asked for forgiveness. You just have to approach God and He's ready. He will forgive you. Somehow, He has forgiven us, almost ready. Just approach God and He will forgive you. Kaya nga, don't wait for someone to approach you and then forgive him. Kung ayaw niya pumunta sa iyo, patawarin mo na rin. Patawarin mo na rin siya. Because you remember, kahit naman last Sunday, when it comes to correction, no? if you didn't do anything, you will be held responsible for his death. At least here, before you die, your conscience is clear. That you have forgiven that person even though he did not approach you to ask for forgiveness. And forgiveness is actually love. It's the highest form of love when you are capable of forgiving someone who hurt you so much. Sa totoo lang, mahirap talagang magpatawad. I think each one of us has his own 
experience on forgiveness. But this is the radicality of the gospel, as I have mentioned. And we are challenged to forgive, even though it's hard to forgive. You know, in the early Christian persecution, there are these Christians who were not ready to die also for their faith. Don't think that all the Christians were ready to die for their faith. But there were Christians who were not ready. And they called them the lapsi. Lapsi. Managrelaps. Yung mga nag-apostasized. They denied their faith. Perhaps they were afraid to die. Skinned alive. Crucified. Beheaded. Tortured. Nakakatakot rin kaya maging martyr. So maybe at the, the fear of pain, they succumbed. And they did not uh, confess their faith on Jesus. So they offered sacrifice to the gods, you know. That's, those are the lapsi. Yung tinatago namin lapsi. Uh, those who did not confess their faith in Jesus. So they did not become martyrs. Ngayon, yung early Christians, when there was no more persecution, their problem was how to accept once again the lapsi inside the Christian community. And many of these teachers, even some bishops, even some priests, they were not welcoming them back to the Catholic Church. Why? Because they already apostatized. They rejected their faith. Or, even though they asked for penance, they asked for forgiveness, no. They should not be forgiven. Kaya nga meron tinatawag na heresy of Montanism. Well, what is Montanism? It's a heresy founded by Montanus. Actually, Montanus had plenty of revelations or visions that, uh, that explains the, 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 the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, or the, the end of the world. No? But their, uh, their, uh, their, their doctrine that is very, very disturbing is their rigorism, yun asceticism. Ito mga Montanists, sa kanila, you, they will not, they will not, Actually, forgive the mortal sins after baptism. Sa kanila, no forgiveness after baptism. Or, there are some naman, very lenient, only one mortal sin <coughs> can be forgiven. Nothing more, but only one. After the first mortal sin, no more. Yan ang mga montanists. Sabi natin, sobra naman yan. Well, actually, some of these early Christians were really serious about their Christian faith. They were really, tinatawag natin, ascetical in their Christian faith. Uh, practicing rigorism. Uh, they advocate the pure church. Uh, na para sa kanila, there should be no weeds among the wheat. You remember the parable of the weeds and the wheat? And the lesson there, allow the weeds to grow. Because if you pull out the weeds, you pull out also the wheat. So allow the sinners with those who are non-sinners to grow. Pero sa kanila, hindi. Remove the weeds. Pull them out. So, yun ang kanilang rigorism. That is their teaching. Masyadong, masyadong rigid. And they don't forgive mortal sins after baptism or only one mortal sin. And of course, our teaching is not this one. That's why Pope Cornelius also condemned this Montanism. Just for you to, to know that there were some Christians who were not forgiving. But we, actually, the main teaching of the Catholic faith 
the popes themselves, they have condemned this montanism that we are ready to forgive because God is always ready to forgive. Whatever sins you have committed, as long as you confess your sin, God will forgive you. As I've said, mahirap mag-forgive. But if you want to know a story about forgiveness, you just look at the story of Blessed Elizabeth Canori Mora. You know, this, uh, this woman really suffered a lot with, uh, with her husband. She was actually married to a, a lawyer in the 19th century. And this lawyer was wealthy. Unfortunately, well, actually it was almost a fairy tale. Because after the wedding, wow, he would not allow his, his wife to, ano, to wash the dish, to, ano, to, to tire his hands, no, para hindi, hindi magkaroon ng kalyo yung kanyang mga kamay. Para bang he was really very caring no, with the wife. But then, after several months, he found another woman. This uh, husband, ang pangalan ng husband ay si Cristoforo. Cristoforo Mora. She's Cristoforo. He found another woman. And uh, you know what? The wife, itong si Elizabeth, she was really very, very patient with the husband. In fact, the whole family became bankrupt. Nawala ng pera, even this uh, husband, si Cristoforo, because he was giving money to, the, to this uh, mistress of his. And uh, he, they were bleeding financially because of this woman. And therefore, Elizabeth has all the reason to get angry with her husband. And yet, you know, she was really very patient, forgiving, you know. Even though he was already betrayed, deprived of affection. And then sometimes he was seriously ill, you know. But then, you know, he was really very, very patient with the husband. And the, the, the confessor, the priest even told her, you know, you separate yourself from, from this uh, husband of yours. He is not behaving well. And this Elizabeth would answer, you know, Father, I have to take care of my two daughters and this husband. I want to save their souls too. And when the two daughters would tell the, the mothers, Elizabeth, you know, let us pray for punishment from God you know, to this mistress you know, so that... Uh, our daddy will be free from this woman. And then the Elizabeth, no, no, don't pray for any punishment. I just pray that this woman will come with me in paradise, that we'll be together in, in heaven, and pray for your daddy. You know, that was Elizabeth. You know, talagang martyr siya because of forgiveness. Then he, she even predicted her death few years before he, she died. And she died on the same, on that day, which she predicted, February 5, 1825. You know, when she died, two hours later, the husband arrived. Because she died at 2 a.m., and two hours later, the husband arrived. And the wife did not die in the arms of the husband. Pero yung mistress niya actually died hours before Elizabeth died. So, the mistress died in the hands of the husband. And then when the husband arrived in the house, he found the wife dead. Kaya nga, he was really very devastated. The two women in his life died. And you know what? What happened? He changed his heart. He became a new man. Nine years after the death of the wife, there was an announcement that there was this 
man celebrating first mass and his name was Father Antonio. And you know who was that Father Antonio? That was the husband of Elizabeth. Ordained priest at the age of 61. Became a Franciscan conventual. You see the power of prayer by Elizabeth to her husband. She was praying for the conversion of her husband and always forgiving. And you know, that was the reward of her prayer. That the husband changed his life. He became a priest. And then they are actually working on the canonization also of the of the husband, si Christophoro. You see what the grace of God can do when we are ready to forgive. Contemplatio, we can ask ourselves, what was the hardest thing you have ever had to forgive? What was the consequence of your unforgiveness? I'm sure all of us have an experience how hard it is at times to forgive. Are you able to forgive from the heart? Oh, this one is a very hard question to answer personally. There's so many ways how to forgive. Forgive and forget. Forgive but don't forget. You see, what is really forgiveness from the heart? Are there people whose ability to forgive has inspired you? Perhaps you know some people was forgiven. Like for example, this blessed Elizabeth. It's so hard to understand no, how she can forgive her husband. Yes, she did it. And there was a miracle that happened. Are you, do you know any people who have that same story that inspired you? This coming week, I'll try my very best to commit myself to practice the Word of God. And so let us pray as we conclude this Lectio Divina taken from Psalm 103. Let's close our eyes and pray. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all my being. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget, forget not all His benefits. He pardons all our iniquities, heals all your ills, and redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with kindness and compassion. The Lord be with you, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you, thank you, and good night.